Happy New Year, everyone, and good morning. I'm Gary Caligas, publisher of The Best of Times, the only magazine and radio show for mature adults in Northwest Louisiana. Thank you for tuning into our show today, and also thanking those who might be listening via the Internet at www.710keel.com. Also thanking those who might be listening via the Keel application on their Apple or Android devices. We do thank AERP Louisiana and A-Bears, tending country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer for being the exclusive sponsors of this radio show to provide you with beneficial information each and every Saturday morning. In just a few minutes, we're going to learn some interesting information about Hollywood movie actors and actresses from an internationally known actress who is in over 78 movies. So stay tuned to this radio show for some very interesting information. It is Saturday, January the 7th, 2023, and we are broadcasting our show from the studios of News Radio 710 Keel at Town Square Media Station here in wonderful Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show has been pre-recorded, so we will be unable to accept calling questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. Be sure to pick up the January issue, the best of times, at one of our 270 distribution locations. We do thank you about the many compliments that you give about our magazine and our radio show. We do appreciate hearing from you. If you're unable to find a printed copy of our magazine at one of our 270 distribution locations, please remember you can always visit our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to view both current and past issues of our magazine. In addition, you can download the 2022 Silver Pages Senior Research Directory. In addition, you can listen to previously boss radio shows here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Speaking of Silver Pages, we are working on the 21st edition. That's the 2023 Silver Pages Senior Research Directory. It's our most popular publication and resource guide for seniors and boomers and their family members in the Northwest Louisiana area. It contains over 4,000 listings of names, contact numbers, websites of businesses, organizations, and agencies who are able to provide products, services, and valuable information to seniors, boomers, and their caregivers. This resource guide, we are still working on it now. It is tentatively planned to be released on March the 1st, 2023. Of course, you can view the 2022 edition on our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com. We'll be right back with more information, but now we're with my sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AARP. Our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and Abares Town and Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Caligas, and I thank you for listening to our show today. Joining me on my radio show is a very special guest, is Miss Beverly Washburn, a Hollywood actress who has written written a book entitled Real Tears, the Beverly Washburn Story. And I'm asked her to join us today to discuss her book, but also some interesting stories in her life and also the lives of other most famous Hollywood stars that she has dealt with. So uh, thank you for joining us today, Miss Beverly, and uh, Happy New Year to you. Well, thank you, Gary. I'm so um, happy you invited me on your show. I'm honored, and Happy New Year to you and all of your 
listeners as well. Well, let me let me tell uh, our listeners how we met. I mean, you know, the good Lord works in mysterious ways how people met. So I was right. attending a national convention in Las Vegas, Nevada, and and uh, I found out that Miss Beverly Washman is a writer also for one of our award-winning senior publications, The Vegas Voice in Las Vegas. I've been very good friends with them for, for many, many years. And she attended a function that we had there, and I got to meet her. Beverly, I wish we had spent more time to, to chit-chat, but you know, things are so busy, and I was in charge of the convention, so it was like everybody's pulling pulling on my sides. But so then, <laughs> I understand. So no, then we started corresponding, Beverly, right? We started corresponding, yeah. and I said, God, I'd love to have her on my I hope you, I, I'm sure she's got so many engagements and she probably won't do it. But when you said yes, it, it made me <laughs> make, thrilled my day. And then when I found out that you wrote a book, that it was that even made me more excited to interview oh. you and talk to you. Thank uh, you, Gary. You're so sweet to say all that. And I was so happy to meet you, although it was brief, but it was a wonderful little um, event that we met at. And I I enjoyed meeting you, and I was just honored that you asked me to be a part of your show. So let's talk a little bit about your book. Her book is, and she will go into a little bit, we're going to talk about this, but it's real, R-E-E-L, Tears. And she's going to mention what about the title and why why she <laughs> titled it, which is remarkable. I did I did not know this, but I, uh, I of course I learned it from your book, and then I did some little research myself. But I'm going to tell oh, you okay. that uh, I I commend you on writing the book. It takes a lot to write a life story, especially you've got a fantastic memory and detailed memory uh, that that she parlays it in in her book about the happy times, sad times, and lots of best of times. So uh, I hope you like that little pun in there. (laughs) Thank you. But I read your book. I found it fascinating. I laughed. I cried. I smiled. Uh, you have a great way with words and convey the times in a very descriptive manner. I mean, it looks like it it almost, I mean, Beverly, I'm telling you, you should make a screenplay off of this. I think it'd be a great, it'd be (laughs) one. I mean, it it flows real well. I, I started it and I didn't finish until I finished the whole book. Really? Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Well, we came upon the title just, it's kind of a play on, words, because for whatever reason, it seems like I did most of my work as a child actress, and almost on every show, I was asked to cry, and so I got to be kind of known as the the child actress who could cry real tears. Well, back in the day, you know, this goes way back into the 50s, um, they had film reels, and, you know, now, of course, everything's digital, but back then... They had film reels spelled R-E-E-L-S, and then many times over the years, people would say to me, are those real tears or were those, you know, just fake tears that they put on your face? And so, and so they were always real and, uh, you know, R-E-A-L, and so we just thought it would be kind of a, a fun little um play on words to call it Real Tears. And it's actually, my book is called Real Tears Take Two, first one came out, it was just Real Tears, and they're both available on Amazon, but Real Tears Take Two, it's a bit redundant because everything that's in the first book is also in the second book, but the um, Take Two one is 
bigger and has more stories and a lot more photos that we were able to come across. Yeah, I wanted to mention, uh, I forgot to fail to mention that. It's, it's got descriptive, but she has a lot of unique photographs. And, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen a, a contract and all the scheduling that y'all had to do <laughs> back then in the 50s and 60s and 70s. So that that was pretty, I mean, that's enlightening. There, there are probably other documents, but that's the first time I've ever seen that, even though we'll, oh, we'll talk about you. my my little bit of movie experience, which happened many, just a few years ago. So I don't have the, 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 the 60 or 70 years experience that you have got at least 60 years, at least 70 years experience you have. Uh, yeah. Been around a long time. Compared to mine. So let's give another kudos to one of your friends. I I found the forward, you know, I, I, most of the times when I read books, sometimes I read the forward, sometimes I don't. Uh, But I decided this time to read it because I, I recognize the name, but then it also mentioned, you know, Leave it to Beaver fame, right? As well, right. Tony, Dow. Tony Dow. He gave a great insight uh, uh, into reading your book. He commented, I'm going to mention this, but she's one of the sweetest people I know, possessing a rare quality. He goes on to state, we dated for real. As I quite remember, Beverly was the only actress I was infatuated with, though I don't think she knew at that time I was very shy around girls. <laughs> oh, wow. That was super. And he, he closes. He says, if you want to know what it was like in Hollywood, Beverly will give you a clear picture of this often distorted, glorified, and almost glamorized world. Happy reading. Well, that was oh. a great testament for to give to give in, in your book. And I, I mean, it caught my my attention when I when I read it. I said, I'm sure it's going to catch a lot of readers when they start reading. Oh. It. Thank you, Gary. That actually brings me to tears right now because, as we know, sadly, uh, Tony passed away yes. this past July, and he was truly one of the kindest, sweetest, most thoughtful, just genuine. Um, people that I've ever had the um, pleasure of knowing. And I did an episode of Leave It to Beaver many years ago, and it was from that time on that we just clicked. We became friends, and um, he offered to write the foreword for my book, which I just cherish. And uh, I just went to his memorial this um, past month, and... um, it was such a tragic loss. He was just so down to earth and so dear and so special and so humble. You know, people would never, if you had never watched Leave it to Beaver, which I don't know, there's not too many people <laughs> that never watched Leave it to Beaver, but if you hadn't, and then if you were to meet him, you would not even know that he was an actor. He was just kind of like a regular guy. He was That's humble super. and just so down to earth, and I was just so blessed. To call him my friend, and um, yeah, that was that was. We've lost way too many people in this past uh, couple of years, and um, it's been well, hard. It's all part of life. But, it is, um, and it's tough doing this. You know, I hate to say this during this uh, pandemic we've had. I've, I've lost some really good friends that uh, you would never think that they, they were super healthy, and you know. It, right. This came upon them. You just never know. So you, you take yeah. one day at a time, and, you, and those we lose, we just remember their memories and, and move yeah. forward. So I love your your beginning of your. Uh, you you need to elaborate. I mean, everyone. She started at the age of six years old, and t- tell our listeners a little bit about that because I I thought that was fascinating at the beginning of your book that you know 
you were just you just went right into it, right? In auditioning. And your well, mother I, your mother yeah. was the I love the I love the um comment about your mother. Go ahead. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, my mother was adorable. We used to tease that she was much like Gracie Allen because <laughs> she was the sweetest, funniest woman but didn't even know she was funny. But she would get things mixed up all the time and just always keep us laughing. And um, my family uh, was uh, actually from Chicago, and my older sister became quite ill uh, when she was a, a, a child. So... The doctors suggested that they, um, my family would move west to a warmer climate. So this was before I was born. So um, my mother had a sister, my Aunt Emma, who lived in California. So they, you know, up and moved to California to be in a warmer climate. And then that's when I was born. So I came pretty late in life. And I had two older sisters and two older brothers. And my one sister was an acrobat, and thankfully the the warm weather did help. They thought at one point that she had polio, but thankfully she didn't, and she got better. And then she went for dance lessons and acrobat lessons and things, and so she would entertain the troops, a lot of them at the veterans' hospitals. And at this point, I was like four or five, and I would tag along. And at one of the events at the Veterans Hospital in Long Beach, California, I met Jock Mahoney, who your listeners will remember, you know, he became the range rider and also Yancey Derringer, and he was a big cowboy, he was very handsome, and and I was mesmerized by him, and I just (laughs) happened to meet him, and in the meantime, my mother had gotten me an agent, because, you know, now we were living in Hollywood, so it was kind of the thing to do, and um, she thought it would be fun if we became, you know, actors and would be in TV or movies or, or whatever. So I got an agent, and I would go on countless auditions, but I never got anything because I didn't have any experience. And um, so as fate or luck or a blessing would <laughs> happen, uh, this one time about six months after I had met Jock Mahoney, I was on an audition at Columbia Studios in Hollywood, and it was for a speaking role in a movie called The Killer That Stalked New York, and it starred Evelyn Keyes and William Bishop and Dorothy Malone, and it has since become a, considered a film noir. <laughs> and so I was on this audition, and um, Jack Mahoney happened to walk through the lobby and he remembered me from having been in um you know in this event at um the long beach veterans hospital and he asked my mother what i was doing there and she said oh she's reading for a part in this movie well we found out that later because he said i'll I'll be right back he had gone into the producer and said oh this kid's great she's done this she's done that and i hadn't done a thing (laughs) so (laughs) Basically, as the story goes, he lied, they believed him, and they gave me the part because he was under contract to the studio, so he had a bit of cloud. cloud. um, Yeah, so they kind of took me on his recommendation, and so I got the part, and then after I had that one speaking role, it was then that it was easier for me to go on other auditions because now I had a credit to my name. And, you know, the, the movie business, it's 
it's so fickle and it's it can be tough because it's there's a catch twenty two. They don't want to give you a part unless you've had experience doing something. But how do you get that experience you gotta, unless they give you the opportunity by so, accident or otherwise? Correct. Yeah, and so I was quite fortunate, and then. After that, since I had, you know, that speaking credit to my name, um, I went on to other films like Here Comes the Groom, starring Bing Crosby and Jane Wyman, and it was directed by Frank Capra. And then The Greatest Show on Earth, which was directed by Cecil B. DeMille, and then Shane, which was directed by George Stevens. And, you know, I was so young, Gary, that I, I didn't appreciate or understand um, how blessed I was to be working with these incredible icons. You know, to me, they were just nice men that were telling me what to do and, <laughs> you know, and directing me, but I didn't know who they were. And I didn't know who Bing Crosby was. I didn't know who Alan Ladd or Dorothy Malone or any of those people were because I was too young. And it wasn't until I became an adult that I realized just how blessed I really was to have worked with. These. So many wonderful legends, really, like Loretta Young and yes. Jack Benny. And We're going to talk Kurt about Douglas. that. Wow. And they became friends of you, too. I mean, you, you must have inspired them. Uh, I, I want to tell one thing. One thing in your book, and I just I loved it. I love this, is you must have been very good. You must have a photogenic memory that you could remember. <laughs> I saw it in various places. People, because I've been a little bit in the movie industry, sometimes it takes them many takes before they can figure out the lines that they're I've been I've been in 21 movies as an actor we're going to talk about oh, extra, wow. and Good I didn't have you. a chance to tell oh and I, I learned a lot about the movie industry and about the noted actors that they, yes they they can mess up quite a bit and, and uh, how long it takes to get one scene <laughs> yes well, I mean I filmed one scene and I was in 17 times I mean I, couldn't, I know it's incredible I couldn't believe it I mean wow could you get it first done first the first time around you know I'm thinking to myself <laughs> I could have done that one I know Oh, it's funny, isn't it? But uh, I don't have I, I don't have time to tell you about all my listeners all my stories. But I gleaned a lot of stories at everyone. And Gary volunteered. He got paid a little bit, and and et cetera. Yeah. And I and I had that opportunity many times to have actually had speaking parts, but it went to the cutting floor. And what can I say? And the editing floor. But I don't care. But well, that I, happened. <laughs> but I love that you at, at the end of your book. She she you got to tell the story. Your mother was writing a book called The Trials and Tribulations of a Hollywood Mother because she, what I read yeah. throughout the book, she was in. And I mean, the story about her getting you an agent was totally remarkable. I mean, you go on for pages. <laughs> on that which which i laughed and i said gosh she's a poor guy she's smart she's brilliant <laughs> about getting in front of people i mean she has a feist and, well she was bound and determined to get me an agent <laughs> and you got one of the best agents at that particular time I correct? Did. she was quite a famous uh, child actor um agent in hollywood at the time so you know that's and so your mother stopped it because she was ill and then your sister tried to continue that particular book and then uh I mean, yeah, I, it was kind of sad. You know, my mother had always wanted to write um, a story about having children that were in the business because my older brother was also an actor, and uh, my older sister did a few things herself, and um, and then of course I worked quite quite a lot as a child, and so my mother wanted to write about what it was like being the mother of a a child actress and um, having children in the industry 
but then sadly she became ill, and uh, she had started the book, but nothing ever came from it. And then after that, my sweet sister, Audrey, um, said, why don't we pick up where Mom left off? And she said, I'll write the book, but it will be from my sister's perspective, and it was going to be called Hollywood Child. And so she started writing it, but then sadly my sister got cancer. And so my mother, who had started the book, passed away. Then my sister, who started to finish the book, passed away. And so my husband, uh, at the time, encouraged me. He said, why don't you write the book? And I said, oh, I wouldn't even know where to begin. (laughs) And he said, well, just start from the beginning. And he said it would be, you know, something that I think your mother and your sister would love if you started you know, started over and wrote the book yourself. So I I thought, well, I'll give it a try. And then I met this really nice man by the name of Donald Vaughn, who had written some a lot of um, articles for magazines and everything. And I was telling him about my book, and he said, well, we have to see if we can get a publisher. I don't want to self-publish. It's costly and time-consuming. And he said... Send me what you've written or what your mother or sister has written, and, mm-hmm. and I'll take a look at it. So I sent him the treatment of it, and he said, well, I think we've got something here. You've got a story to tell, but we need to start from scratch, because he said rather from than your mother's or your sister's perspective, I think it should be your autobiography and be your experiences. So he said, just sit down every day at the computer and just, Start from the beginning and just write down your memories. And he said, but if we can't get a publisher, he said, I'm going to have to beg out because he said it's too much work. So he said, but I'll let you know. Give me a couple of weeks and um, I'll get back to you. So the next day he called me and he said, well, it looks like you're going to be writing a book. We found a wonderful publisher um, called Bear Manor Media and they specialize in autobiographies of the, you know, people in the industry. Good. And that's wow. how it all began. That and is so, but, but tell us, Doris, I remember writing a book. I, I read it a couple few days ago and I gleamed through it. Wasn't there a lost situation of photos that you found by accident? Yes. Tell our listeners about yeah, that. That was interesting. It was like serendipity the way it ended. It, it just was very strange. Uh, when my sister was trying to write the book for me in the beginning, um, I had sent her my scrapbook of all these photos and from, you know, growing up in Hollywood and, you know, things on the set, behind the set and during the movie and just different experiences. So I sent it to her and then um, she had it for a couple years because she was trying to get this book started And then after she became ill, it was set aside. And then sadly, my sister, who was my angel in my life, she and I were, she was my best friend. And she got breast cancer and died. And to be honest with you, I totally forgot about the scrapbook. I hadn't, I I just, it was the last thing on my mind that I'd sent it to her because I sent it to her, you know, years prior to that. And I just totally forgot about it. And then time went by, and I got a call from um, 
a man named Rick Sapphire who had put my website together. He's a manager. And he said, I got an interesting call. He said, somebody has your scrapbook. And I said, <laughs> what scrapbook? And he said, I don't know. He claims that he has your scrapbook. Wow. And yes. I said, I, I didn't know what you're talking about. So he said, well, I've got his number. He said, I didn't want to give out your number, but if you want to call him and find out about it, you know, you can see. So I said, well, I'll call him. And I did. And he said, I've got your scrapbook. And I said, well, I'm not sure what, what you're talking about. He said, well, it's a scrapbook to, you know, to prove to you that I really have it. He said, I've got a couple letters in here from Jack Benny and a couple letters from Bing Crosby. Wow. Um, I've got your contract with um, Disney Studios. And I said, oh, my goodness. I said, where did you get it? And he <laughs> said, I, I just stumbled upon it. And I said, where? And he said, at an estate sale. And I said, an estate sale, where? And he said, in California. Well, it was just so confusing. And I said, are you sure it's, it's mine? And he said, I'll tell you some more things that are in it. And he started naming all, and I went, oh, my gosh. And I said, but this doesn't make sense, because my sister had lived in Hawaii, then she moved to Florida, and then moved to Virginia. And now this scrapbook. Was in California and L.A. and I thought that is so that can't be. It just seemed impossible. So he said, "I thought you might like to have it," and I said, "Well, yes." And he said, "I'll sell it to you for a thousand dollars." And I said, "Well, <laughs> let me think about this. Are you sure it's really mine?" So we went back and forth, and finally he said, "Well, if you don't buy it, he said I'm going to put it on eBay." And um, so. I talked to uh, Rick Sapphire, who was my manager at the time, and he um, uh, is the one that had gotten the call because the person went to my website. I guess they Googled my name and oh, came yeah. upon my website and called Rick Sapphire. So he said, well, why don't you offer him $500 and maybe he'll give it to you because it is your scrapbook. <laughs> so I called him back and I said, you know, could I give you $500 for it? And he said, nope, it's $1,000 or it's Whoa. going on eBay. How tough. And I, so in the meantime, I had this really dear friend, a, a guy named Richard Schmidt, who he and I have been friends for a thousand years and just like brother and sister, but just a really good friend. And I was telling him about it, and he said, that's awful. And he said, um, you could maybe, you know, call Disney. And he said, because if they've, got it and they want to sell it and they've got Disney memorabilia in there and I said well that gets so involved and and everything so I called the guy back and I said um, what would the lease be that you would take for it and he, he said, said I told you a thousand dollars I said really but it, it, it's my scrapbook and he said well I've got you know collectors that would pay you know a thousand dollars just for the um call sheet of Old Yeller, and I went, really? (laughs) And I guess there are collectors out there that do that. So anyway, the next thing I knew, it went up on eBay, and he started it at like $12.50, and so nobody bid on it. And so my friend Richard, I don't, you know, I'm technically challenged. I don't know how to do Facebook and eBay and all those things. 
and TikTok and all those things. I, I just don't know how to do them. So Richard said, I'll keep an eye on it. And so every day he said, no, nobody's bidding on it. And I said, oh, I guess nobody wants it. And he said, well, um, we'll just keep looking. Well, then all of a sudden somebody bid on it. Then somebody else bid on it. And then it got up higher and higher. And he said, well, it's now at $1,200. And then is a time frame or something that they have to. So um, finally he said, um, well, it was sold. And I was so sad. I just thought, that is so sad. It was my, it was yeah, my, all my phone. And, and I, the mystery is still, how did it end up in California? When my, I had mailed it to my sister in Hawaii, and then she moved to Florida, and then to Virginia. Still a mystery. And so, anyway. Um, but tell everybody the good news. Then a few days later, I go to my mailbox, and it was happened to be my birthday. And I was born on Thanksgiving Day, and um, so I go to the mailbox, and there's this package from Richard, and I open it up, and I first see a scrapbook, and I thought, oh, bless his heart, he bought me a new scrapbook so I could start over with photos and everything, and I pulled it out of the the box, and all of a sudden, it's like, it was my scrapbook. Wow, yes, and what a And I was stunned, yeah, and I they... called him, I was crying, I went, oh. I said, it said that it was bought by some strange name. He said, oh, that's my um, Handle, that's uh, my eBay name or Amazon <laughs> yeah. name or whatever it was. And I said, oh, my gosh, Richard. I said, it's going to take me forever to pay you back. And he said, no, it's not a, a loan. It's a gift. He said, that, he said, we did a pinky square years ago that we would always be friends. And that's what friends do. And he said, it's not right that you didn't have your... That's your good. original scrapbook, and so, I mean, I, I just, I, I was in, in tears. I couldn't believe that he did this, and he got my scrapbook back for me, and my, the original one, and it had all the photos and everything. And the only thing my niece and I were trying to be detectives and figure out, we found out that my um, sister's last husband uh, had moved to California. And then died, and he had a daughter who lived there. And the only thing we could figure out is maybe he had it in his because I lost touch with him. Um, he put it on the estate sale. So they put the family put it on estate sale. So, that wow. maybe his daughter found mm-hmm. it and thought, you know, she didn't want it and didn't know how to get in touch with me and. Who knows? It could have been at a yard sale, and this guy could have bought it for $5. I <laughs> That's don't true. know. That's true. I don't know. It was a mystery, but it was such a blessing because yeah. I never thought I would ever see that scrapbook ever again. So it was just in time before my book went to print. So we were able to include all the photos, and then, of course, I had to write all the, the little narratives um, to them, right? Yeah, below each photo. And, um, it was just so strange how that came about, but I was so grateful. Well, Beverly, let's hold that thought. We'll be right back with more information. But now we're okay. from our sponsors and advertisers who do make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana Neighbors, down in country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer.
Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by Abers Town and Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer, and AARP Louisiana. I'm Gary Caligas, and I do thank you for listening to our show today. Joining me on my show is a very special guest, it's Miss Beverly Washburn, a Hollywood actress who has written a book entitled Real Tears, the Beverly Washburn Story. I'm asking her to come on our show to discuss her book, but also some other findings and tales about Hollywood uh actors and actresses so thank you miss beverly for joining us today here on the best of times radio hour oh thank you gary it's my pleasure and honor to be on your show one one item in your book uh again i appreciate it is i thought uh i want you to talk a little bit about this because many people in my neck of the woods i would say many a lot uh, have been extras in movies. And you mentioned several times in your book how you saw, even at a young age and, and when you, at an older age, that some ex, some actors and uh, crew and staffing people treated extras just terribly. I, I love some of your comments saying they should treat them just like ordinary people, not belittle them, right? Yeah, as well as in every walk of life. I mean, everybody has a job to do, and there's some jobs that a lot of people would not want to do, but they have to be done, you know, like um, people picking up trash and garbage and, you know, when they have these big events and they have those porta-potties and people have to clean those out. And there's a lot of jobs in life that, you know, are not very glamorous, but... They still need to be done, or people in hospitals that, you know, have to take care of sick people who've thrown up or, you know, wet their bed or, or whatever. And all those jobs, they need to be done. And just in the movie business, you have to have extras or you wouldn't, it wouldn't be a believable movie or TV show without them. But sadly, there's so many people that... I don't want to say look down on them, but they don't treat them all that fairly. And I just think that it's so important that, you know, to be kind to everybody. And one of the people that I worked with um, who was so incredible was Angela Lansbury. Oh, and wow. uh, she, they have on, well, you know, Gary, because you've been on sets, they have what's called a craft service table. And so they mm-hmm. they provide food and drinks and usually donuts or bagels or whatever for the cast and crew. And oftentimes they'll have two separate tables, and one will be for the main cast um, and the producers and the, the crew, and it'll be full of just all these wonderful things, everything from, you know, soup to nuts, basically, like bagels, and they have fruit and vegetables and donuts and I mean you name it they have everything and all kinds of drinks and uh, and just everything imaginable and desserts and then there'll be another table and it'll just have donuts and there'll be a sign for extras only <laughs> and so there was a, a famous story that happened when Murder, She Wrote uh, started many years ago I wasn't there on the set that day but I worked on Murder, She Wrote. I, I did one episode, and it was a, a, a very famous story that everybody talked about because they said on the first day of the set, 
um, the craft serviceman did exactly that. He had two separate tables, and one was just, you know, it was just full of everything that you can imagine under the sun, food-wise. And and then the next table just had donuts, and it said (laughs) extras only. And they said that when Angela Lansbury came to work, she came out of her dressing room, and she called the, the craft service guy over, and she said, see that table? And she was pointing to the um, the table that was for extras only. And Chrissy said, yes, ma'am. And she said, well, I'm going back into my dressing room, and I'm not coming out until that table looks exactly like the other table. Oh, and wow. so all the extras, of course, always loved her because she went to bat for them. Because, you know, like in her opinion, which is so true, like just because you may not have a speaking role, you're still a human being, and you still get just as hungry as anybody else. And, and you're you and you add and else. definitely you add to the scene, right? You've had you've of been course. Admitted, the backgrounds and the and the extras add to the scene and make it real. That's yeah, the, absolutely. And it's just um, extras should be treated as you know with high regard, just as much as anybody else, because they're important too. And, you know, they're a human being and they have a heart. And, um, of course, you know, there's always, as in every walk of life, there are some people that will give other people a bad name. They'll be the extras that show up late or they're lazy or they just they don't want to be in the scene. They just, you know, want to get a paycheck so they'll be over <laughs> you know, uh, sleeping or they'll you know take a bunch of food home. But you never know. Maybe they have children or pets that need food you never know but um everybody should be treated equally and all uh, the movies i i have been in the northwest louisiana we used to have a big production in new orleans when katrina hit all of it moved to my Mm. my part of the city and we had many many movies and they were calling for extras all the time and gary volunteered i mean long story but every one of them had remarkable uh uh, food and snacks, and it was for, I mean, I'm sitting next to, you know, noted actors, Josh Bolin and me became friends. And uh-huh. We're sitting at the same table eating, you know. Oh, nice. And I even yeah. helped him. I, he, the quick story is I even helped him in a couple of his parts that he had to, because, to practice his lines. It was oh, um, it was amazing. A, so, well, I wish <laughs> I wish we had like two hours to spend with you, Miss Beverly, but uh, you've got to mention, I, I love all the comments, and Jack Benny must have really loved you well i really loved him and he was just at a young age you were you were it was at a young age right yeah the first time i worked with him i think i was eight it's actually on youtube all you have to do is type in jack and the little girl and um it's a skit that um we did where they had me planted in the audience and I come up and ask for his autograph, and it, it's quite clever and, and very funny. But, again, I was so young that I didn't get any of the jokes. <laughs> I didn't understand. I just memorized my my lines. And, oh. um, of course, it wasn't until later that I understood the the gist of it. You but, also um, work with... Uh... Superman, George Reeves. I bet that was an inspiring uh, that, situation. Well, that was exciting for me because I was so young that, you know, I, I again, I, I didn't know who George Reeves was, but I sure knew who um, Superman was. Mm-hmm. And so I worked on the act, the first one, the pilot for the original 
a TV show. It was called Superman and the Mole Man, and yeah. I think that's on YouTube probably as well. And I was the little girl. I'm in bed, and the little mole men climb in through the window, and then we start playing ball, and then the ball oh. lights up because it's like radioactive or something. And, and, and so, and my, uh, tell our listeners, you've also been involved with many actors and actresses. I mean, Bing Crosby, Kirk Douglas, uh, Clayton Moore, Lone, the Lone Ranger, and Tonto. Wow, Jay <laughs> Silverheels. Wow, that that's just totally remarkable. Really, Gary, I feel so blessed. And again, I, you know, not to be redundant, but. I didn't appreciate it growing up as a child because I didn't know who they were. I didn't get, you know, that they were famous. And it was after I became an adult and I realized just really how blessed I was to have worked with so many incredible people like Loretta Young and um, Lou Costello, uh, which I talk about all of them in my my book. And it was, I had a, a charmed life, and um, I'm just—I just feel very blessed. And so, uh, in my book, I—I I just talk about my memories. Well, um, got to mention two things before uh, we're going to have one more seg- quick segment. But uh, I love it that. I mean, I, I've seen the movie many, many times. I went back to, I mean, you were definitely an old yeller, right? That was your Yeah, your, your I was Lisbeth. How, how yeah. old were you there? I, I, I didn't catch that. I was, I think I was 12 or 13, and sadly, you know, we were talking about the passing of Tony Dow. Mm -hmm. Um, Last year, uh, Tommy Kirk, who played Travis, who, you know, was the one who sadly shoots Old Yeller Mm -hmm. in the end, he lived here in Las Vegas, so we would get together quite often, and he'd come over for dinner because I'm a widow and um, I'm alone, and so he... Um, he was a bachelor. He never married. And uh, so we were just really good friends, like brother and sister. And we were actually scheduled last um, year to do an Old Yeller reunion. Oh. But we were supposed to do it in January. But sadly, he passed away uh, in September. And so that was heart-wrenching. It really was. He was such a sweet guy. And um, I believe it or not, I am the only one still alive from the entire movie from Old Yeller. And so we couldn't obviously do an Old Yeller reunion because I'm the only one left. So that was heartbreaking because he and I were going to drive together. It was going to be in L.A., which is only like a five-hour drive from here. So we were going to drive together. And then they put us each up at a hotel there, and we were going to do a reunion. But he... He passed away before that happened, and that was pretty devastating. He was one of the really sweetest guys as well. I've been so fortunate to have worked with so many nice people. Well, hold that thought. We'll be right back with more and more segment. But now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana Neighbors, Dunning Country, Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer.
Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by A-Bears, Town and Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer in AERP, Louisiana. Joining me on my show today is a special guest, is Miss Beverly Washburn, a Hollywood actress who has written the book, Real Tears, the Beverly Washburn Story. You can pick it up on Amazon and other bookstores in the area. Again, thank you, Miss Beverly, for joining us today on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Uh, thank you, Gary. But we we don't have much time. I, again, I'm going to definitely have you back to tell some of your stories. It's just <laughs> re- totally remarkable. But you've got to mention because I'm a Star Trek freak, and I went back oh. and checked that that she was in one episode of Star Trek. Correct? <laughs> yeah, it was the Deadly Years. Yeah. It was uh, in the second season before it was really all that famous yet it was the fans that brought it back after it got canceled and the other thing that i I, and i listened to it and i actually for said something i did remember that you recorded one song everybody loves saturday (laughs) night but me right yeah i know and i'm not a singer it was you were it was very good well it was back in the days of the bubblegum music with all the echo chambers yes you sounded wonderful and of course you were beautiful back back then and even today you are but back then wow i mean do you remember what year that was though i was trying to i listened to it Uh, i think it was 19, I want to say 64. I was 14 years old then. I, I, I think I remember. Listen, I know I did. Yeah. I know I do, I well, did. it made the charts, not all the way yeah. up, but it, it made it, which was a shock because the way that came about was just a fluke because I was doing a series. I was doing the new Loretta Young show, and it was back when, you know, Shelley Fabre, who was on the Donna Reed show, she had that hit, the Johnny Angel, and then Paul Peterson had... Um, my dad, and they were starting to have a lot of different people, child or teenage people, do recordings. And so um, I was with William Morris Agency at the time, and they called, and they said, we've got a recording contract for you. And I went, oh, well, that's great, except for one thing. And and I said, I don't sing. And they said, (laughs) oh, well, can you carry a tune? (laughs) And I said, well, yeah, I can carry a tune, but I'm not really a singer. And they said, well, if you can carry a tune, then no problem. problem. And then before I knew it, I was in the studio with a full-blown orchestra and backup singers, and it was on the Smash label, which is a a subsidiary of Mercury Records. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well thank you, Miss Beverly, for taking time to join me on my show. You were wonderful. Best wishes to you for continued help and definitely keep busy and keep writing your articles and doing other things that you do. It's important. And, oh, and I'd love to possibly have you back in, in the coming months or so. We can continue some of this discovery. I, had like I 20... would love that, Gary. And thank you so much and to all your listeners. And I just um, wish you all a safe and blessed, a happy and healthy New Year, and again, just thank you for having me on your show, Gary. It really means a lot to me. Well, thank you a lot. Looking forward to coming back to Vegas to to see you and my friend Dan over there. And, and okay, uh, great. He's wonderful. <laughs> I look forward to it. And I've been on his. I know you're on his television show and radio show, and I, I I've been on it too. And I I love him. He's a great guy. Yeah, he's, he's guy. terrific. Well, yeah. have a good one. Thank okay, you again for, you. for, you jo- well. for joining us okay. today. Everyone, thank you for joining us today. Hope you join us next Saturday for another show that could benefit you or your loved ones. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you again for listening to our shows and best wishes to you for a happy new year in 2023. I'm Gary Caligas wishing you and yours the best of times both today and every day. Have a great day. <laughs>